Hi, this is Buff, and I'm so glad you tuned into the Grace Church podcast. I think that because you tuned in, you'll better understand your place in God's kingdom. At Grace Church, we're living out our ancient faith in modern times and believe that these next few minutes will draw you closer to Jesus. To find out more about what's going on at Grace, visit us at graceocala.org. Today begins the first of the next several weeks that I want to talk about the topic of fear, what it is, why it's common in our lives, what it does to our head and our heart, the way it creeps into our soul. And today I want to talk specifically about how fear speaks for itself in our lives. Now, just to begin, one of the gifts of our childhood that you may remember is imagination. Dolls become treasured babies. Sticks become swords or guns or lightsabers or telescopes. There is a problem with imagination, though, sometimes. Sometimes with this incredible gift for the fantastic also comes an imagination of the worst. One of my favorite examples of this, of how this played itself out in our childhood, is that comic book series Calvin and Hobbes. You may remember it a little bit, but if you don't, it's about a boy and his stuffed toy tiger that comes alive when it's just him and the boy. They are best friends, going on constant adventures through these incredibly um, uh, imagined landscapes. They're always on some amazing adventure. One minute, they are spacemen on some foreign planet. The next minute, they are dinosaur wranglers. Calvin is always the very definition of bravery. Until one thing. He's always brave until night comes. With just the flick of a switch, Calvin goes from a world-class superhero to the monster under the bed's dinner. <laughs> How is this possible? How is it that imagination that is so fruitful, so beautiful, so exciting in most of our moments leads us to such places of terror and fear? Maybe you've encountered that. Now, in my own life, I'm a fan of what has become pretty popular in the last 10 or 15 years of what's called dystopias. Dystopias are these stories about a world gone wrong. Maybe there was a nuclear holocaust or global warming or an EMP strike or something like that. And it's this story about the drama of what happens to folks after these attacks. And I really truly love these stories because I like to think about what happens to us as people when everything goes off the rails. Will fear rule us as individuals as a culture, when things go bad, who do we become in these really difficult moments? And that's the truth that I want to begin with today, is that fear is a normal part of the package of just being a human being. Fear is natural to us. You don't have to learn it. You never did. You don't need to study fear to understand it. It just always has been. You have experienced it and known it long before you knew any logical reason for those fears. 
And though you may not be as scared of the dark as you once were, though I am, we don't put away fear like some childhood toy that we stick back up in the attic. Fear is deeply understood down in our souls, and we let it affect us in all kinds of life's situations. And so from the start, we must acknowledge that our insatiable quest for control of and around of our lives isn't working. And we need to admit that we struggle with this constant sense of aloneness. This is the very terrain of fear and anxiety, and you're already very familiar with it. Every one of us knows the battle with fear in some way, even if we don't think we know about it. I'll give you an example. Recently, I was listening to an interview with the world-class magician David Blaine, and he was talking about fear. Maybe you know David Blaine. <coughs> Excuse me. In this interview, he told uh, the guy who was interviewing him, I don't have any fears. He said it very matter-of-factly, like, this is just how it is. I don't have any fears, and it's because I don't have any fears, he said, that he was able to put himself in incredibly perilous situations, like staying under three and a half tons of dirt for seven days, or being encased in a block of ice for 63 hours, or standing on a square 22 inches wide, 100 feet in the air in the middle of Times Square for 35 hours. He's done all of those things, and he said he was able to do all of them because he said he had no fear. And as he was talking, I, I found myself thinking, well, I guess it's possible that somebody doesn't have any fear. And as I thought that, I found myself feeling weak because of all the fears that I have. And yet, as the interview continued, the topic came around to his seven-year-old daughter. And then, almost magically, see what I did there? Uh, almost magically, he said that he had this constant fear for her safety, for her well-being, that he couldn't protect her from all of life's evils, all of life's perils, and so he was afraid for her. And in fact, David Blaine does have fears. Just doesn't want to think about them is all. He had put them away, convincing himself that he was fearless, fearless because he does all these fearless things, and yet... His daughter had convinced him otherwise. So here's my goal for over the next several weeks. I want us to cease to pretend that we don't have any fears. In fact, what I want to do is go exactly the opposite way. I want to find out all of our fears. I want to expose as many of them to the light of day and hopefully to the truth of Jesus because I think the more we find our fears, the more blessed we'll be, here, be when we hear God's words of peace and comfort to us. So for us to expose our fears, we need to first locate them. And by that I mean, what is fear anyway? Where do they come from? What does it mean? That's what I'm telling you in the beginning. Fear speaks for itself. We already feel it in our lives. We just need to tease it out a little bit. Because fear is always speaking to you. It's talking to me all the time. Matter of fact, you might be hearing it right now. Because of our limited listening abilities... Sometimes we pretend like we're David Blaine, but I want to give you a small list of the fears that we may encounter in our daily life. And I'm going to list them off pretty rapid fire. There are about 10 of them if you are uh, prone to write these things down. <coughs> the first 
are background fears. These fears that may not be immediately present in your life, but fears like being concerned about your general safety and the safety of those you love, fear about how you'll die, fear about what happens after death, fear about being unloved, fear about losing your figure, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your spouse, your hair, your mind, your money, your job, your health, your hobbies, your purpose, or your faith. These are all background fears that we may not feel all the time, but they're there, and we know it. The second fear is phobias. Fears that prey on our frailties, like the fear of height, the fear of suffocation, the fear of snakes, flying, the dark, bridges, germs, terrors, and drowning, dentists, clowns. These phobias and hundreds like them prey on what we want and what's important to us and what we love and they linger in our hearts and our heads emphasizing our frailties and our individuality. Then there's dreams. The dreams and nightmares that occur and sometimes even reoccur. And we wonder to ourselves, is there something there? Is there something to these dreams? Should I be worried if I'm having the same dream over and over again? Does that dream mean that I'm going crazy? And then we have fears in our physical bodies. Tension that resides in us. And I would just even say right now, if you started thinking about the top of your head to the soles of your feet right now, and you were just to go through your mind, just go through your body, doing an inventory, right as you started to do that, I would... Imagine that right now you begin to notice your head's a little tense. Maybe your neck's kind of stiff. Your chest, why is it so tight? What does that mean? Where's that coming from? Fear. Then there's stress. That's number five. Too much to do in too little time. How are we going to get it all done? What if I don't get it all done? Am I letting people down? What if people find out that I'm not all that I put out there that I was. I better get back to it. Better show them that I'm that Superman. Maybe I should put even more on top of it just to show them how much I can handle. Of course, stress leads to our fear about being busy and driven, always being pushed towards deadlines and fitful sleep, working late and tolerant of interruptions, putting projects over people. What if I'm driven? What if I'm that driven kind of person? Always getting stuff done, but always running late. Always running from something. Maybe something like quiet. Maybe something like being alone. Maybe fear itself is stalking me, and I just want to keep busy. Of course, stress, being busy, being, busy, being driven very often leads to the fear of depression, which when we carefully listen to depression, we immediately find the arms of fear and anxiety wrapping around us. In our heads, we hear depression tell us that I'm not strong enough to handle this despair anymore. I'm afraid all the time. I'm losing my battle with my true self, and I'm afraid I'll be exposed. I'm afraid you'll all know. And even though we don't seek depression specifically, it sometimes covered up, covers us like a blanket in darkness. 
Sometimes we can romanticize depression. We call it the muse that gives us that angst, that creative part of us. But really, depression makes us want to stay in bed and pull the covers over our heads. Brings paralysis. Robs us of our decision-making ability, and it causes us instead to retreat. Then there's number eight, anger. I know this one pretty well. Anger says, you're wrong and I'm right. Anger reveals our fear, just run amok, gone crazy. And because some of us have learned that we're not allowed to be afraid, anger becomes the go-to. Fear and anger can very often be the same word, just spoken with a different attitude. That's the difference. That's it. And then, how about overprotection? Number nine. Today's parents were very much an underprotected bunch. They grew up when the divorce rate was beginning to spike and they came home to empty houses where both parents were working outside the home. And so many of today's parents were self-parented. And so their antidote, overprotect. They're afraid of what might happen to them and more specifically to their children and they're fearful and so their response is to extreme parenting. It looks like love, but really it's love tainted by a whole lot of fear. Finally, superstition. Superstition seems so obvious, doesn't it? So silly. We're so quick to dismiss them. But when we start relying on personal routines, hoping that they'll bring us good luck and avoid bad fortune, well, guess what? We're living in fear. Athletes specifically live in this fear in spades. They'll wear the same socks, the same undershirt, in the hopes that it will overcome their fears, that only luck can control our situation. Yes, brothers and sisters, fear is speaking all the time in all kinds of ways. And you may have thought that you were like David Blaine living a fearless life, but I'm here today to disabuse you of that idea. And we haven't even gotten to the Bible yet. Did you see our two readings today? Genesis chapter 2, Adam and Eve in the garden. And here comes the serpent playing on their fears, saying, Wait, God said you would die? No way, you won't die. That crazy old man. He's just playing you for a fool. He's afraid of you. You won't die. You'll finally be as smart and as wise and as creative as he is. Aren't you just tired of being less? Not being the best you, you can be? Let's fix that right now. Eat that fruit. That's what the serpent was sowing was fear. Fear of inadequacy. Fear of lacking as a person. Fear of misunderstanding your boss. Fear of not fulfilling your potential. Fear of being less than what you could be. Look at Matthew chapter 4. A very important passage, hopefully very familiar to you, when Satan comes to Jesus saying, look, God's not going to provide for you. He's not going to give you food. He's not going to give you protection. He's not going to give you power. He says, oh, yes, Jesus, you have much to be worried about. This father of yours, he's not as great as you think he is. He's got gaps. He can't do all that you think he can do. You're vulnerable right now, man. 
You need help, and I am here for you in your time of need. You would have died without me. Aren't you glad I showed up, Satan says? How sick and twisted is this? This is Satan's big plan, to trade the lies of fear for the truth of God's plan of salvation. And yet, we listen to it. Adam and Eve listened to it, didn't they? They listened to that fear, they gave into it, and they got lost. But Jesus, Jesus knew the Father's voice. He knew the mission that he was on. He knew love. And so he wasn't tempted by this less version that Satan was trying to sell him as if it were a better version, a better vision of this world. So brothers and sisters, here's the good news I want to give you today. All of our listening to fear, going through those 10 different fears and listening to them brings two things. It brings both clarity and confusion. It brings clarity because we hear the important messages that call for our response, but it also can become confusing because we hear so much fear and we don't know what to do. It can feel overwhelming. And if that's you, take courage. This is why we're investigating the hidden features of fear. God has beautiful words of comfort for all of his fearful people, which is in fact all of us. Here's what I want you to hear today. After you've listened to your own heart, after you've confessed and uncovered your fears, come. Come and listen to the Lord. That's what he's saying to you today. Come and listen to me. First, be totally honest about the fears that are plaguing you, about which ones are quietly or loudly infecting your everyday life, and then listen to God's words of comfort his words of correction, his words of compassion. Start substituting his words for your words. Take his voice over your voice. It's what Jesus did. It's our way forward. I want to close with this. I want you to know something very personal for me. I am in this with you. I am not here preaching to you today as if I were different. I am preaching to myself. I am not immune or exempt in any way. Part of my response this Lent, rather than keeping track of my fears, is going to be keeping track of the many deliverances that God has given me each and every day. Those moments when I can look back either in a few minutes or even a few days or a few years and know that even though I worked too much and caused too much pain or had too little wisdom, even though I did all of those things, God delivered me. I have been in the wilderness and I have given in to Satan's temptations, but today, again, I'm starting afresh. I'm rejoicing in his small and yet so powerful offer. Today, I will rest. Today, I will wait. Today, I will pray. So join me. Let me pray. Father, we thank you that your words are stronger than the enemy, that we need not be lost 
that though we are afraid, you have given us deliverance. And so I pray that you would help us to begin to exchange your words for ours, your thoughts for our thoughts. And as we do, recognize that salvation isn't just something that we get when we go to heaven, but salvation comes today. And as we take hold of that salvation, cause us to feel rescued and alive and free. In your name we pray. Amen. We're so glad you joined us on our podcast today. We hope that you'll take what you've heard and share it with your community. If you'd like to learn more about our church community, find us on Facebook, on Instagram, or online at graceocala.org. Go in peace.